The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your host. We welcome our online listeners as well as you guys here locally. We are going epic. has been the topic. Interesting enough, we have had quite a few interested people logging on because of that title. It does seem to be something that people are fascinated about. Everyone's looking for their hero, and most people find one. That is the line between reality and non-reality, and as long as it's non-reality, we will spend billions of dollars on it. But if it enters into the reality, there's a problem here. Now, the closer we get to the end times, as most theologians would agree, the closer we get to that, those final hours, there's going to be a release of de- a demonic activity in a way that we're not seeing today. Many believe that demons will possess bodies, which most believe that can happen today. You can meet humans who are possessed by a devil or a demon. But we are talking on a mass basis. And we are talking about humans walking around with this superhuman power. So what was once in fantasy will be in reality, but Satan had to put something together so that the humans would not react when the transition occurred. That's what I believe is going on with the superhero world. Now, there's no way that a child cannot read the comics or watch the movies or play the video games, superhero video games, whatever, and not have that enter into their dream world, to have that not affect their fears. So there's some kind of preparation that is going on right now in preparing people for a world that cannot even be explained to you today. It's impossible. Do you believe that Christ has got superhuman strength? Is his story epic? And did he come to take care of this problem called evil? And what have we already determined with superheroes that are in the world today? How come you do not see superhero cartoons and video games of Jesus Christ acting like one of these figures? It's called blasphemy. So there seems to be a general rule of control over not putting Christ in that position. But yet they won't come out and confess that they won't put Christ in that position because it's evil. But if you sit down and talk to some of these Christian or indwelt Christians and say, is this whole superhero world that we're dealing with today evil? And they would subdivide it into what? The good superhero fighting versus the bad superhero. Batman's a good guy. Superman's a good guy. And then some of these other dark characters are the bad guys, and they're always fighting to see who's going to control Gotham or whatever. 
But why don't you just go ahead and turn Batman into Jesus Christ? It's called blasphemy. And the world knows it. Even non-Christians are afraid to do it. That is a covert confession that something is very wrong here. I don't know any indwelt Christian that would answer no to these questions. Yes, Christ does have superhuman strength. His story is truly the epic story that just won't die. We don't need a marketing plan to keep it going. It stays alive because he's alive. And he did come to take care of evil in due time. Now what about Satan? We look at three questions regarding to him. Has Satan mastered the art of replicating Christ? Okay. So what was Satan's replica? We're doing what's called logical deduction and an issue that is bigger than you could possibly imagine. The industry of superheroes is massive. And my guess is that our listeners, as you are listening, that I could walk down your your hallway, walk into one of your kids' bedrooms, and I will find a superhero somewhere in that room. That's how confident I am in having Christians, Christ followers, or indwelt Christians even caught up in this movement. There's statistics that come with the fastest-growing churches in the world today, and it is the churches that use manifestations of the Holy Spirit to do healings, casting out demons, and the list goes on and on from from there. This movement of the charismatics tapping into the superhuman power of Jesus Christ is what launched the church worldwide into Christ being like this superhero. Then it created a battle between the conservative Christians and the charismatic Christians And it divided them right down the middle in regard to doctrinal beliefs. And the result of that battle is that Satan was successful in accomplishing doctrines of demons to be firmly planted inside the church. I always ask the question, why? Why would he want those doctrines inside the church? And why would Jesus say something like, Many will say, I casted out demons in your name, I performed miracles in your name, and I preached in your name, but be gone from me, for I know you not. You hear that verse over and over and over, but you don't realize that is the majority of the entire church in the world. Where pastors and church leaders and whatnot are all caught up in this superhuman movement that is taking place within the church. And they're probably going to fall under this category of Christ saying, but I don't know you. You see, Satan knows that. Satan was listening very carefully to the words that were proceeding out of Jesus' mouth. You might not have been listening. You still might not be listening. I got wore out several times through the week in theological debates over trivial issues with very bright people this week. And I'm like, really? Can we like get beyond this? 
and truly get into the sound doctrines of the indwelling life of Jesus Christ? But see, they took their law pill. And those those legalistic points of theology became their fighting point instead of what can we do to get this message of the indwelling life of Jesus Christ out to a very deceived world. I have not heard one indwelled Christian that I know of react against Batman or Superman, not one. I've never heard any or seen any Christian parent come into my office all upset because their child is obsessed with Batman or Superman or Batwoman. That is very curious to me. Why do the Christians and the indwelt Christians relax more around superheroes, the replicas that Satan has put into society, and they react so much to when you speak boldly about Jesus Christ and his epic story. Why is it that children are bored stiff with the power of the word being preached until you put on a Batman movie? And you have 100% of their attention. They get so caught up in it, they forget to eat their popcorn. I don't. I go to movies for popcorn. (laughs) Isn't that curious to you? It should be telling you that these three questions are folding into each other. It's a waterfall effect. To where the doctrines of demons are so prevalent in society and so prevalent in the church, so prevalent in your home, that it is more entertaining and relaxing to look at a replica versus hear the word of God spoken. I want you to think right now, and I know there's some testimonies of people that listen online because. Some of them let me know about it. I keep playing for you little Elijah's verbal statement before we start the Jack the Journey. Lord's already spoken to me about little Elijah and what's going to be happening in his life. So to hear this kind of thing being sent to me, I'm like, you parents better get locked and loaded. Because he's showing signs. See, he is, as as a young mind, he is attracted, a five-year-old, attracted to the superhero that is represented in the book of Revelation. And, this is also a young man that was once fascinated, probably still tempted to a certain degree, with Batman outfits. You see, there is a calling inside every child to want a superhero. Parents, listen carefully. If you do not give them the superhero, they'll lose a passion and desire 
to want to get up in the morning and have mommy read the book of Revelation to him. That's what he asks for every morning. That's curious to me, too. How does that happen? How many kids do you know? Friends? Or friends of friends? That get up every morning and they cannot wait to get into the Word of God. But I'll tell you what, they can't wait to sit down with their snack in front of a television while their mother puts on a babysit video of uh, vegetables running around shouting and hollering. That's what our world has come to. So when these kids grow up, they have to have youth services that are filled with high energy. Because the veggie guys just aren't doing it anymore. And then when they go from this youth program into an adult church, normal, typical preaching of the power of the Word of God and the release of the life of Christ inside the the preacher-teacher, is not enough. We have to start having light shows and blowing smoke onto stage and spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on the stage itself and, 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 because people are used to being entertained by a replica. We are literally having to build technology to somehow reach the people of today and the children of tomorrow. There's a friend of the ministry who's been working on an Exchange Life app for three years. He, they said he's going to be able to release it to me this month to review it, tune it up a bit. But it's an app where you simply type in depression. And it goes and grabs scripture that, that deals with that topic. And then it brings up articles of Exchange Life writers who have written on it. And it brings up recommendations of translations that are accurate in triune of man versus diune of man. You know, it was kind of sad for me to realize that we have to do that. But as he realized when God asked him to do it three years ago, is that we're going to lose the people if we don't. Because they're not buying Bibles anymore. Why would you when you can get a free app that will open up as many translations as you want? Someone read for us Romans chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. Okay, so that's basically what we are hunting for to determine if someone is truly saved, as this passage uses the terminology. Do they have a zeal for God? Are they excited about God? If they are excited about God and they have a zeal for God, we check the box and we move on and we no longer give much attention to the fact that they're still going to hell. That's what Paul's addressing here. That these sound doctrines are not able to be fed back to you. See, it is purely on emotion and excitement. Superhero. They're viewing God like he's some buddy. They're viewing Jesus like he's some kind of superhero. 
And they're wanting the high energy, and they're wanting the pizzazz, they're wanting the zeal, they're wanting the excitement about their walk with God. And Paul's saying it's not about that. So one of the things I listen for very carefully in a child, whether it is Elijah's age, Ezekiel's a great name too, but or whether it's an old man getting ready to pass. What are the doctrines that are proceeding out of that person's mouth? Or are there doctrines proceeding out of their mouths? I was put in a position of asking two significant others this week, do you believe that this person is indwelt by the life of Christ? And and some of the responses I, I received was, they're very excited about Jesus. Okay? Was that after their coffee or before? What does that mean? Or they talk about Jesus all the time. Okay? See, it does not communicate. But when someone is feeding back to you, let me tell you something that I observed with my grandmother sharing the life of Christ with someone and seeing the passion on her face to make sure they got it and understood it. Now there's some evidence. That's what Paul is talking about. So we have a problem here that definitely has a solution. In this diagram, we have in Adam, which is the law providing living death. So, in Adam, law applied is a pathway to hell. All hell is, is a place of torment. These, this dotted line that you see here is the eternal life of Jesus Christ. This little guy here is beginning to realize he's going to hell. He's on a slippery slide. There's nothing he can do to crawl back up. And he knows he's sliding down. And as our video with the skit guys last week, it revealed and communicated this simple principle that you're never just standing still with with your relationship and walk with Christ. Never. And so unsaved people are realizing the exact same thing in their walk under law. It is leading them more and more closer and closer to this final destination of the doctrines of Satan. You see, he doesn't want to be alone. He wants company. And the sad thing is, according to what the scriptures tell us, is that he's going to get the lion's share of every human that ever was born. He's going to have plenty of company. So guess what the Lord flips out on him? You're not going to get to talk to one of them. Not one of them is even going to serve you forever and ever. You will be completely separated from me. You'll be completely separated from Jesus. You'll be completely separated from the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be completely separated from your followers. And you'll be completely separated from each of your triune parts. Loneliness shall be your hell. When 
powerful superheroes like Satan do not have a venue, a target to to use their superpowers, the light goes out. And God knows that, and that is exactly going to be the torture and punishment of the devil. And I think he even understands that to a certain certain degree. I'm just guessing here, of course. But see, the law is going to lead all of these people to a certain death. The law still has to be used on the day of judgment. Christ is the only one that has and says that he has fulfilled the law. That is what provides freedom in life. That is what stops the sin of death. So the person has got to be brought to this point of not, I like Jesus, you know, thumbs up, or I love Jesus, or I talk about Jesus a lot. There are thousands and millions of people that are better at talking about Jesus than you are. And they're on the slippery slope to hell. They're better than you. They know their scriptures better than you. They're out there. They've written books about Christianity. And they're still going to hell. That's what Paul was addressing. This guy has got to come to the realization that he better have himself a a, a Star Trek beam me up Scotty moment and beam me back down into the eternal life. And if he does not discover that because the church is ignorant and arrogant of being able to explain how to lead someone to Christ, which, if I remember correctly, the law is a tutor to lead people to Christ. So one of the primary objectives and targets of destruction for Satan is this issue of the law. Very well-trained, exchanged life teachers and theologians have said to me recently that this is no longer needed. Very respected leaders. That when Christ died, it was finished. There is no purpose of the law from then forward. Really? Well, how are we going to get through this thousand years of judgment? What's going to be used? So that's our dilemma. But here's the solution. In this diagram, it says Christ fulfilled law, established in and through the believer. You have the law that is going to push condemnation on someone until they're in the place of torment. Condemnation. Condemned. This guy who was freaking out realized that he was trapped by the law. He was under the law. He was being paralyzed by the law. And the law was sending him to this bottomless pit. As Colossians 1.13 tells us, that we have to be transferred or translated from the law to grace and put into Christ Jesus eternal life. And here's, here's the deal. Do we then nullify the law through faith? 
Now, I'm going to ask you a question if you've ever even thought about this before tonight. May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. Okay, now that is a very curious verse. What does he mean by we believers, indwell believers, are the ones establishing the law? When we have been trained and duped into Christian society, that the law has no more purpose. It's valueless. So why even bring it up? Well, then we have the issue of fulfilled law. We have these statements made about Christ fulfilling it and putting it away. And how does all that fit into what is being told to us when Paul said, may it never be? On the contrary, we establish the law. The two theologians I dialogued with this week couldn't answer it. It's one of those curious verses. This is not rocket science. This is elementary theology. If you don't keep all of the pieces together that we have been unfolding in regard to the importance of the law being the character of God, if you throw out the law in respect of it's been abandoned, you are throwing out the character of God. Christ won't do that. Neither did Paul. We are establishing the character of God in an unsaved world. Now let's take a look at that. Again, the verse says, Do we then nullify the law through faith? May it never be. On the contrary, we establish the law. God instituted the law with a planned uselessness for those who refuse to become bridal members of Jesus Christ. It was a plan. It did not fade away. It did not die of old age, meaning it's the Old Testament, but remained and continues to remain relevant in life today, in life tomorrow. It will remain relevant until the last person is judged in that lineup on Judgment Day. Then when he closes the book of law, it is over. It has no purpose for the unsaved because the unsaved have all been judged. And the believers, the bridal members of Jesus Christ, they're not going to abolish it. They are literally the ones that have established it. It will go on with us for eternity. The character of God in us will go on for eternity. It will be, listen carefully, listeners, it will be our character. You won't have character traits of your, your mommy or your hero daddy. Afraid not. The only character traits you and I are going to have are the character traits of the living God. That's what you'll have. And don't tell me or try to sell me or convince me of the fact that it is gone. It is old-aged in the Old Testament. It is what I shall carry on and continue to establish forever and ever and ever. It is my character. Any character that is left of my flesh, it has to stay in the casket. It has to die. When I was listening to Jerry Bridges' uh, memorial service, I was reminded as I was staring there, and I'm, I'm just looking through my phone, through these cameras, zooming in on this, this, this memory time, 
And I was reminded by the Lord that all of his human character will remain in that casket. Now he will have a pure representation of my character with the investment that God made in his life throughout his short life of 86 years will go on for eternity. You see, God's investment in you in a day-to-day basis is to manifest, to establish the law, to establish the character of God in you. Are you with me? Because that's what goes on for eternity. Any educational characteristics that you have, any spiritual characteristics you got, or some people calling you a superhero, or you're my hero, or any of these other labels that we get on our flesh, stay in your casket. They have zero value to God. None. I don't care how special your daddy is. It is not worth anything. But I know how special the Abba is. The God of the universe. The father of my husband. And that shall go on forever. That way and that way. Since the East and the West never meet, eternity goes on forever past, forever future. And I am dropped into that river of life at a certain point in God's timeline. Don't give me this fake salvation stuff. I grew up in the church. I had Christian parents. I've been studying my Bible. This was a good one I heard this week. I've been studying my Bible my entire life. Don't speak to me that way. Really? Satan's smarter than you. He's been studying the Bible a whole lot longer than you have. Any enemy knows. You study the war manual of your enemy. Is this not true in training? You get to know one of my favorite shows, believe it or not, secular-wise, is called Bones. It's forensic. And the philosophy in that is to study the manual of the criminals. So when you have to do this dissect of what it is that happened, you have a rich understanding. You can combat it. It's a very simple principle. And it works. Satan has done his homework, and most of us don't. So Jesus was born under the law, paid the price of fulfillment, fulfilled it, came to came into his bride in order for her to establish the character of God, establish a law, by allowing fulfilled law to live in and through the indwelt believer. Here's Hebrew. Hebrew for establish is he, behold or reveal, vav, nailed, secured, kuf, behind or last, mem, of course, is water or washes. Then we have he again, behold or reveal. That's establish. Law is he, to reveal, chet, inner room, vav, nailed, secured, kuf, behind and last. When we put it together, we have the believer is to reveal the character of God who became secured and nailed as the last Adam, which is exactly what Jesus said, 
who washes his bride through what is revealed in his inner room. And the inner room in Hebrew is the bridal chamber. Now that should be a duh to most of us. The temple is laid out with an inner room and then the innermost room. And that inner room is Jesus as the high priest. It's the bridal chamber. And that's where consummation occurs. And your consummation is coming up. You've not been consummated in Christ Jesus. That would be a no. You are engaged to Christ. There shall be a wedding feast in heaven. After the wedding feast, there's going to be a bridal chamber moment. We don't know what that looks like. Anyone who tries to explain it to me, I don't listen. Because there's no scriptures that are revealing that, that holy room, that holy moment. But there shall be consummation in that bridal chamber after the wedding feast. But a few things have to get finished up here on earth. And that's what I want us to talk about. So, Jesus was born under the law, Galatians 4.4, circumcised according to the law, Luke 2.21, the son of the law, law character of God, what's that actually saying? Son of God. He was born under God, circumcised according to God, he was the son of God. He was agitated by those who would not keep it. They would not keep the character of God intact. Mark 7, 9. Interpreted the law in its original meaning. Matthew 5, 21 through 48. Interpreting God. Saying, I, I'm the one that is here to explain to you what God's character is like. That's why he was sent. Addressed the amendments of man adding to God. And the passage you're looking at there is when the Pharisees were tempting Jesus. And they were arguing over marriage and divorce. And Jesus' response was, in the beginning it was not this way. For Moses granted you permission to divorce your wives. The number one excuse world wide for Christians to divorce. Number one, they have no clue what they're talking about. That is not what he was saying. He was talking about man adding to the character and operation and function of how God functions. So when you bring up a verse out of Malachi where it says, for I, the Lord thy God, hate divorce, they don't know what to do with it because it doesn't go with what Jesus said. Man is clever. Satan is clever with man. To put an amendment to an established law is to lead the people away from the constitution of the original law. It's how our country functions. If you removed every amendment that was ever placed as an add-on to our constitution and our laws for this country, you would have a similar country, if not exact, to the original that was established. That's what he's saying. So Satan has added these amendments in the church, and these amendments in divorce, and these amendments in abortion, these amendments, in, and Christians have somehow put the check mark of I approve. 
that it's Christian, it's Christ-like, it's whatever, to do these things. Establishes his new command, uh, commandment, which is exactly what he says in John thirteen thirty four. Well, what's this new commandment? How come he gets to add to it? Because this last commandment that is added by Jesus came from his father, and that new commandment is the new covenant. It is fulfilled. And the only way you can be freed and saved and indwelt is if you keep this commandment, which is, no one comes unto the Father, but yet by me. Now, how's that for a law? It is immovable, it's just, it's perfect, and he will never fudge on it. You can take him to court all day long, take him up to the Supreme Court, and he's not going to budge on that. Nobody gets saved and indwelled by my Holy Spirit unless you come through me. Period. It's the final commandment. It's up to you, but I'm not budging. No more Christians because my mommy and daddy were Christians. No more Christians because I had my name on a pew. No more Christians because I studied my Bible my entire life. No more Christians because I have zeal and excitement about Jesus. No more Christian because I jump around on pews. No more Christian because I dance in the aisles. No more Christian because I dress right. No more Christian. You see, none of it matters. None of it. Except for, did you keep my new commandment? Did you keep that one? Well, I don't know what that is. You do your own survey online, listener. Pick five people this week. Listen careful. 602-292-2982, because I want to hear your responses. Pick five people in your life and ask them what the new commandment is. And let's see what, we, what you hear. And I want to hear about it. Because I have zero, zero correct answers yet. And let's see what they say. They can tell you what the new commandment is. I did get the old favorite. I know you have heard, thou shall not murder, thou shall not, but I tell you. Someone finish it? Like you do yourself. And that's what they associate with this new commandment. That would be wrong. And then finally fought breaking God or breaking the law because he was the law. He was God. How can I break God if I am God? Good point, Jesus. I can't separate you from God, so therefore I can't accuse you of breaking God's law because you spit on the ground on Sunday or Saturday, whenever that day was that you spit on the ground. How could Jesus break the law if he was it? Curious thing for a lot of people. After explaining the historical parameters of the law until John, Luke 16, 16, Jesus goes on to say, but it's easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one stroke of the letter. That'd be crossing a T. One stroke 
of a letter of the law to fail. So it's basically saying, but it is easier for the dwelling place of my father in his footstool, the earth, to pass away than for one character quality of my father to fail. It's not going to happen. Even though it was impossible for the law bearers or the law bound observers to get what Jesus was saying, it was his announcement that he came to fulfill the law for his father by paying the price of those who broke it, who were not God. Do you understand that? We're talking Godship here. It's it's he paid the price for those who thought they were God. Their own law which breaks God's law. And that's what's being addressed here. Jesus was about to reveal that the law, Old Covenant, was the character and the personhood of his Father, while the Age of Grace, New Covenant, was the character and personhood of himself. He was about to marry the two, not throw it away. He's taken the character of his Father and his own character, and marrying the two and giving it to the bride of Christ as a gift, so they will establish it. That is full Christianity 101. 602-292-2982. The Entity Matter statement for today is pretty simple. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one smallest letter or stroke shall pass away from the law until it's all accomplished. The key here is until heaven and earth pass away. You see, if the last thousand years of the one day of judgment, we need the book of law to judge all the people. It's not finished on God's part. It is on the indwelt believer's part. Because there's fulfillment now, we establish it. You see, we're wanting to lead people to Christ so that they don't stand on Judgment Day and be judged by the book of the law. That's our goal. But as lazy as we are, we get more caught up in our jobs and our do's and don'ts of society that we forget the very reason why we're here is to get that message out so that that person we're talking to is not faced with the book of the law and to see that they didn't even come close to fulfilling it. As hard as they worked and as many names as they got on pews, as many times they danced around the aisles, as many times as they, the list goes on and on, it's a long one, not one of those things made any difference in comparison to the character of the living God. How'd your dancing turn out? How'd those 12 books you wrote about Christianity turn out? How'd those? That's what the person is faced with unless they have fulfilled the new commandment. That is the only thing that will secure their seat on the new earth. Indwell Christians are used from 
the cross to judgment to establish the law, in quotes, and using it as a tutor to lead people to Christ, in quotes. Once that and judgment are accomplished, the book of the law will be forever closed. There's no reason, there's no purpose, there is absolutely no connection anymore with the law and its purpose. It's over. There's no value, there's no purpose, there's no logic in it. So since the believer is the established law now, and we go on in eternity with the character of God, when someone says, boy, Steve really has great character, we're not going to say that in, in on the new earth because we're all going to have the exact same character, the established law. So in that sense, the character of God, which is the law, will go on for eternity. It doesn't get abolished. It's just the book of law and why it's used to bring about death is over. There might be a couple people that were listening today that Jesus is knocking at your door. I'm finding that more and more, which is exciting. I'm becoming more bold in addressing very well-established theologian types, and I'm still not convinced you are indwelt by the life of Christ. I can show you a text right now that I got right before I stepped up to the pulpit of a very respected theologian double-checking to see if I thought he was into well. Which I'll wait till Monday. But that's what it's about. If they're wondering, you think I'm going to put a seal on it and say, nah, don't worry about it. You've got two PhDs in, in theology. No. I'm not going to miss this opportunity. Nor should you. So if you are being led to receive Jesus Christ, you don't need a particular group of words. You simply have to admit that you're going to hell. And that your sins that you've been committing and bearing are just evidence that you are going to hell. And that you want new life. You want to go through the new covenant. You want to go through the new commandment so that you may receive the Holy Spirit into your mortal body. That that becomes your, your driver's license. That becomes your identity. That when your physical body dies, that identity is what says you are of the identity of the Son of God. That is true salvation. There's a sample prayer on the PDF for those of you who are listening online. I would at least open it up and read through it. And receive Christ if you are being convicted to do so. This resource has been presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. For more information about our ministries, visit us online at iomamerica.org. That's iomamerica.org.